Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for watching us today or listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, this is the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical world view. So we dissent against popular ideas of culture and we replace it with a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined as usual by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello. And uh, back in PA, I'm in the state of South Dakota, and um, we are all very, very excited to have you joining us today. Go to trdshow.net. That is our show's website. We got all sorts of really cool stuff on that site for you to check out, including our brand new t-shirt. I wish we could be wearing it for this episode, but it's not yet in for either of us. We just released it a couple days ago, so... (laughs) Um, So... You know, I think I think the tact we should have taken is waited to announce it <laughs> until well, we, we had a shirt ourselves. Yeah. Oh well, oh well. Now people get to like hear about it and build up the hype until we get ours yeah. in and yeah. see it. Or you know, they could just buy it and not have to wait, which would be kind of yeah. cool. Um, personally, I'd go down that track, but eh, I don't know. It's just me. Um, so go to trdshow.net, and uh, you'll see a big old button for our merch store. We got all sorts of merch in there, by the way. Raymond Simmons shirt, which super cool. Um, we've got uh, special edition merch. We've got stickers. we got mugs. we got sweatshirts and hoodies. we got so many cool things in that merch store. Check it out. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We want to hear from you. Don't forget, join our newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter, so you get updates from us about what we're talking about. So today is our literature episode. We are talking about presuppositional apologetics, which if you're unfamiliar with that phrase, oh boy, buckle up. We got a lot to talk about. It is a very exciting topic and it is one of the best presuppositional, I'm sorry, one of the best presuppositional methods, haha, one of the best apologetic, apologetical (laughs) methods, um, I believe, and Greg Bonson believed as well. So did Cornelius Van Til. So I think we're in good company in believing that it's one of the best ways to defend the faith. Um, and if people are having a problem, like not understanding what we mean yeah. by apologetic, apologetic does not mean we're giving an apology. <laughs> yeah. Or it, it means we're giving an apology in not like the, sense the traditional sense of the word. Yep. But we're we're giving a defense, right? Yes. We're, we're stating our arguments for why. Yes. And but, um, I actually recently I've been giving this some thought instead of we're not defending God because God needs no defense because he's not the right. one on trial, but we're giving a reason. We're giving an answer for the hope that yes. lies within us, which is actually the yes. way that it's phrased. So yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, well, this whole month we've been reading about how God's not the one on trial. And then mm-hmm. we say we're defending the faith. It's like, well, actually we're not defending the faith because we don't, the faith doesn't need to be defended. <laughs> it's yeah. the other person who needs to defend their own faith and they will fail every time. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But that is, yeah. Thanks, Jake, for bringing up the definition. Sometimes we can gloss <laughs> over some of these things and assume everybody knows what that is. But yeah, that's good to straighten that out. Make sure we're all on the same page. So our theme this month is effectively giving an answer for the hope that lies within us. And um, as I stated before, we're going through Presuppositional Apologetics, uh, which is a book, Presuppositional Apologetics, Stated and Defended by Dr. Greg Bonson. This week we read chapter two up until page 43. So (laughs) 
It's another one of those weeks where we didn't get all the way through it. I think it's actually, we're going to spend the next two weeks in, in this chapter because it is massive. So um, there's so much here. We're really excited to break it down for you today. And if you don't have your own copy of this book, go to gab.com slash TRD show, go over to the media tab and you'll see a picture of this. If you're watching us, you can see this. Um, this is the cover of our book, but uh, oh yeah, Jake has it there. Oh, except you can't see in the split screen. There it is. There it is. <laughs> right. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yep. it is. Um, check that out. It's on our Gab page. And um, you can buy your own copy or just look it up. I would go to AmericanVision.org, I think it is. And uh, that's where we got ours from. Gary DeMar's website. Fantastic website over there. Uh, Presuppositional Apologetics Stated and Defended by Dr. Greg Bonson. Fantastic book. Okay, so before we get into all of the fantastic stuff dr bonson was talking about this week we have to talk about the verse of the week and it's wednesday so jake take it away dude <laughs> all righty yeah and i i promised that i would give a uh good ex- explanation of this verse oh, and I, I like yeah yeah it better be good but uh <laughs> yes i i like focusing on the very beginning of this Ooh. but the this verse um is second peter verses one three through Four. Sorry. Yeah. Three, Second three, Peter chapter one. Yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> chapter one, verses one. Sorry. Verses three through four. Wow. <laughs> no, that's, I, right. I had difficulty with that on Monday, too. Like, just I know. saying the reference. I don't oh. know why. Yeah. But this passage says, <laughs> His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of of sinful desire. And again, that is 2 Peter, sorry, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Nice. And like I said, I like focusing on the very beginning of this because I think we... We like to downplay this, mm, right? And and yeah. that happens a lot in different verses where we, yeah. we downplay or we spiritualize these verses. But really, there is no spiritualized downplaying in the verse itself. It doesn't say anything <laughs> yeah. that would downplay it or spiritualize it. So we have to take it in its fullest extent. Yes. So... And by spiritualizing, I do want to clarify because I think that might confuse some people with that phrase a little bit. I think you're um, right on the nose with that. But what he's talking about is it just applies to spiritual. It's the whole Christ is Lord over my heart, but not the world uh, ideology, Mm. which we reject whole cloth. That's wrong. Christ is Lord of your heart and more. The whole world, all authority. So, it's not just spiritual. It's not just in your own heart. It's also physical as well. So, that's what Mm -hmm. Jake's referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. Um, But, again, I want to focus on this very beginning part that says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yes. Right? All things. We are well equipped. We are equipped with all that we need. (laughs) Yes. To destroy strongholds. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) For not only physical life, like money, food, um, not only those things, but for all of life Mm. and for all of godliness. Yes. Yes. That includes going therefore. Yes. And that includes... Hence the t-shirt. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My most favorite phrase. But um, we 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 take this like very in a minimalistic sense. We we don't understand that we have an atomic bomb <laughs> in our arsenal. Yes. The enemy has no footing, no ground to stand on. Mm. Right? Yep. They, you can't even say they're standing on thin ice. They're not yeah. standing on thin ice. They're <laughs> wading in the water. The ice fell through. <laughs> yeah, the ice fell through. Yeah. But we have an atomic bomb. Yep. Yep. We are well equipped. We have all that we need. Yes. That pertains to life and godliness. Yes. And yeah. what a verse that another verse reference that comes up is where is the wise? Where is the mm. debater of this world? Oh, Has God good. not shown all to be foolish? Yep. Right? God, in his word, has shown all to be foolish. Mm. Right? We have, first of all, taking into account, we have all that we need. Then taking into account, God has shown all to be foolish. Yep. That's why they're holding pitchforks. <laughs> yes. Right? We have an atomic bomb. They have pitchforks. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't... Uh, are we oh, winning? it's a battle of wits, and I see you've yeah. come unarmed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep, so, precisely. Yeah. yeah, that is that is wonderful. And that ties really well into our conversation about presuppositional apologetics, especially for those of you who are new to this idea of presuppositional apologetics, because what Jacob just described there was the power of the Bible, the wisdom of the Word of God given to us. Um, and what evidentialists do is they take all that power and they put it on a bookshelf. They take all of that, all the authority that is given to Christ. And by the way, what does it say at the end of that passage? It says he is with us even until the end of the age. So all that authority mm -hmm. he uses through us and uses with us, right? Which I think is very comforting. Um, all of that evidentialists take and put on the shelf and it's like, nope, that's not our standard. The Bible's not our standard anymore. Now we're going to go to science. We're going to go to human reasoning and our own human understanding and our own human hearts, which are deceitful above all else. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea, guys. Um, <laughs> so that is what we're speaking against here. We're talking about presupposing the word of God as our ultimate standard, saying that you cannot rely on anything else except for the word of God as your standard. If in your argumentation, you go back to something else or you try and prove the word of God externally, you're doing it wrong and you will mm -hmm. fail ultimately. Um, and that's the point that Bonson is, is really trying hard to get across here in his book. Now, something that's interesting, and I, I know that we're getting a little side rail, but I think it's worth saying at this, at this point. This book was actually uh, explained in the preface, which we didn't actually discuss uh, on the show. But the preface was talking about how what this is, is actually a collection of Bonson's works that he never published when he was alive. Um, but Joel McDermott, who was, I think, at the time this book was published, he was the president of American Vision. He originally uh, re uh, released this book put together the collection of, of these works from Bonson and released it in a, in a book form. Um, so some of it is not as, as um, practical or, or even in-depth on certain things as some of Bonson's other published works, such as uh, Always Ready, uh, which we went through a couple months ago. But it still has some very practical applications if you 
pull it out of the text. So what this really is talking about is from a presuppositional standpoint, why do we as presuppositionalists believe that we can't have anything other than the word of God? Why, what, what should be our perspective when talking with an atheist um, or someone who doesn't believe that the Bible is the inerrant inspired word of God? How do we approach that conversation? And that's what we're talking about. We've been talking about for this week and, and last week as well um, is what should be our standard and, and how do we apply that standard to our conversations? Um, and so given that it's not, you know, an official book that was released directly by Bonson, I think that sheds a little bit of light on some of the like wading through some of the, at times it does seem to get a little bit lengthy on some of the things and, and get a little repetitive. But I think it was that these are a lot of Bonson's ideas, but it wasn't quite in a publishable format. So, what we're trying to do is, is read through some of these things and pull out. There's there's so much in here, so we're only pulling out bits of it because there's so much great content. But since we only have a half hour, we can only pull so much out of it. But hopefully that like sheds some light. I know we've gotten some people that might have been maybe a little a touch confused at some points um, just because there is a lot here. It's, it's very weighty. It's very um, uh, philosophical in nature because that's great. Bonson was a philosopher. So that's kind of where his mind goes. Um, and, and we need that, but it also can get a little confusing at times. So hopefully that context kind of provides a little bit of additional context into why. Um, but, you know, starting out here, you know, I want to talk about reasserting the Bible as our ultimate standard. So I'll, I have a few quotes. I'm kind of just going to string them together because they're all really good. Um, but on page 25, Greg Bonson starts out by saying, since he claims that his authority must be the word of God, the presuppositionalist is obligated to authorize his apologetic method by that very same authority. He goes on on page 26 to say that uh, that which dictates what we think and present in defense of the faith must not be the theories, inferences, and assumptions of secular learning, end quote. And then also on page 27, he goes on to say, we must never assume an uncommitted or neutral stance with respect to the veracity of God's word. Scripture is not on trial, but must always be presupposed as true. To presume to work up to a recognition of its truth by independent argumentation must be to honor some other Lord than Christ, end quote. So that right there gets to the heart of presuppositional apologetics. That is exactly what we were talking about kind of at the beginning of this show, is, is that we have to presuppose. We can't presuppose some other standard as being true. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that happens far too often in arguments with, with atheists. What happens is they'll list some scientific proof and we'll immediately back out. We'll immediately say, oh, wow. Oh, he's got science. Wow. We presuppose that as being true automatically. When... In reality, scientific fact, because we should know as Christians, there's no such thing as scientific fact. We should know as human beings, there's no such thing as scientific fact. They're tentative. Uh, as to say the best, they're tentative. And then 20 years down the road, who knows whether or not it will be proven to be or proven to be true or false, right? Look, at uh, Sigmund, Sigmund Freud is a great example of this. His beliefs and his published documents now are laughable because we understand that at the time it was like, wow, this man's a genius. Oh my goodness. All these new uh, ideas about human psychology that we just assumed, wow, he studied this. this we've never heard of this before. It must be true. And uh, there are so many 
very unfortunate accounts of things done to people in the name of Sigmund Freud using his psychological ideas that destroyed lives. You can find account after account after account of this happening throughout history. And now we realize that most of what he said was just absolute insanity. But it's because we didn't take it as gospel truth and we kept building and developing on it, right? That's how science works. It's tentative fact. It's not absolute truth. And so to treat it as absolute truth is pure folly. It's insanity. And honestly, all of that goes back to, well, what is true? If science isn't true, if logic isn't true, because we're, it's our own hearts, what is true? And bef- before, we, before we move on, I want to quickly point out that science is not something that we cast out, mm. right? Yes. Correct. Just because we understand that the Bible is true and that it is the only authority we don't, we don't then throw science out because Correct. science was given to us as a tool. It's a good tool. Given, yep. Right. But, but we have to understand we're not trying to fit the Bible into science. Right. We're trying to fit science mm. into the Bible. Yes. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yes. We are not trying to fit, uh, yeah, by the Bible into the scientific framework. Mm. We're trying to fit science into the Bible. Yeah. Yep, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, and all of that goes back to what is our initial premise, right? Um, page 28, I love this quote from Bonson. We might have to put this one on a t-shirt sometime. <laughs> um, but Bonson says, Our defense of the faith does not work towards an honoring of Christ's lordship, which is like, oh no, what, what do you mean by that? And then he says, it works under that lordship. So the whole point of that is that we're not working up to the point at which we can call Christ Lord. We're not working up to the point at which we can say, yep, you know, I've done some research. Um, I've really studied this and I think Christ is king. It's like, no, he's, he's already king, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> like, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a fact of life, right? It's like God is you- not the one on trial. Exactly, exactly. You need water to live. Whether you believe that or not is a totally different matter. It is fact. Um, mm-hmm. And the only reason we know it's fact is because the Bible says that. So, that is presuppositional apologetics in a nutshell. And hopefully, those principles, I I know it can be hard at times to take those principles and, 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 and attach it to an argument, but Really start to delve into that and think about that. What are the things in your life that you use as an ultimate standard or that you just assume to be true? We all have presuppositions. We all have things we presuppose to be true. It's really hard, but we as Christians need to make sure that we step back, especially if we've, you know, if you're a Christian who's been in the government school, that you step back and examine what your presuppositions in life really are. Are they purely the word of God or are they based in science, based in human logic, human reasoning? And that's really hard to do, but that's what this, what Greg Bonson is getting at here. And I believe wholeheartedly that that's what we're called to do as Christians. And he gets into that as, as well. The whole point of this, this chapter, this chunk of the chapter was he started out the chapter by saying, you know, there are a lot of people who criticize Cornelius Van Til, um, and say that he doesn't use enough Bible verses. So he's like, I disagree with you, but here you go. Here's Bible verses. And so he brings up so many passages. I mean, I just, I wish I could have listened to them all, but we don't have enough time. 
Honestly, you should read through this chapter because it's verse after verse after verse after verse showing us that the Bible says, don't go to anything but the word of God as your foundation for these sorts of things and examine your presuppositions. Um, And before I get into that, I want to move into talking about finding our treasures of knowledge in Christ. This whole concept that Christ holds all the treasures of knowledge and that we should be going to him and avoid being robbed of those treasures by not going to him. Uh, But before I do, Jake, is there anything that you'd kind of like to add to the discussion? Don't want to steamroll you um, (laughs) before I get into that. No, no, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, So on page 28, Dr. Bonson says, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, Paul infallibly declares that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ. He says this in order that no one delude you with pervasive, uh, I'm sorry, not pervasive, persuasive speech, craftily plausible argument, and exhorts us to be steadfast, confirmed, rooted, established in the faith as we were taught, end quote. So this this was really fascinating to me. Um, that's Colossians chapter two, verses three through eight, talking about all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ. And and then he goes on to say, this was, this is, he says this in order that no one delude you with per- persuasive speech. Um, and so moving on, on page nine, Dr. Bonson kind of expounds on this a little bit and says, in Christ are all the treasures of knowledge. Therefore, Paul puts us on the alert against anyone who would rob us by philosophy. This word rob in verse eight, this was fascinating to me, by the way, in verse eight harkens back to the treasures mentioned in verse 3. I'll repeat that. This verse rob, or this word rob in verse 8 harkens back to the treasures mentioned in verse 3. If we want to be deprived of knowledge, we can do so by following philosophy, such as Paul encountered at Athens. uh, And then you can look at Acts chapter 17, verse 18 for reference to that. Uh, We can follow the philosophy of men rather than the word of Christ, for only in him do we find the treasures of of knowledge, end quote. So this was fascinating to me. You like getting robbed of your knowledge, getting robbed of your wisdom by not going to Christ. Mm. That to me was was really, really interesting. I hadn't thought of the that verse quite that same way, but we do. We rob ourselves of that when we take our nuclear nuclear weapon, like what Jake mentioned at the beginning of the show, right? We take that nuclear weapon and we put it on the shelf and we say, nah. And that's you like willfully robbing yourself of that wisdom, robbing yourself of the treasures of knowledge in Christ by saying, I don't want that. I want to be robbed of that. I'm going to go follow their vain philosophy instead. We deny. Yeah. And as Christians, and if we're applying this to Christians, we deny that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given unto Christ. You know? Yes. But by by the way, um, that was page 29, not page 9. But yes, 29. Oh, did I say page 9? You said page 9. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> I saw the last part there. Yeah, 29. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So, yeah, so so that's just that's just fascinating. Um let's see. Greg Bonson goes on. I'm going to go to page 33. There's a quote from page 33 that I really liked. He said, "God only is wise." Romans 16:27. And he has made the world according to his wisdom. Psalms 104, verse 24. Man cannot search out God. Job eleven seven. For God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. Isaiah 55, 
8. I told you he threw a lot of verses in here, a lot of references. <laughs> Consequently, man cannot know God, and hence God's world without revelation. Um, a vain man who rejects God's revelation will certainly never get understanding. Job 11, verse 12. So he's walking us through this, uh, this, this system, right? Starts out, God only is wise, Romans 16, 27. He made the world according to that wisdom, Psalm 104, 24. Man cannot search out God, Job 11, 7, for God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts, Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8. Consequently, without the word of God, we can't understand the one who created this world. We can't have the wisdom of the one who created this world. And if we can't have the wisdom of, of the one who created this world, then we can't understand this world. If we don't know who created it, if we don't start with the fear of the Lord, which is understanding who God is, then we can't truly have wisdom. Um, so I, I thought he broke that down really nicely. So we have six minutes left. Um, I want to get into the requirement of redemptive revelation, but I do. I know that Jake has something he wants to get to as well. Um, do you want to just kind of get to that in like a couple minutes, or do you want me to go through this first? Um, I'll <laughs> go through mine, okay. but I'm not yeah. going to promise that it's only going to take a couple of minutes. <laughs> okay, all right, that's that's um, fine. But I wanted to start out, and this is. I created my own like heading as to I took I took a couple of pages and I went over them and I took out my own um, quotes from them. Ooh. But uh, in order to like basically just overall define what all of these are talking about, I created my own um, my own heading. Okay. And that heading is knowing the truth. Without knowing the truth. Knowing the truth without knowing the truth. Wow. And that, that should be explained as <laughs> the atheist knows the truth, but doesn't know the truth. Mm. Yeah. And that, that can be seen in this quote right here. You know, on page 39, Greg Bonson says... This is not to be seen as a logical contradiction, for the unbeliever knows God in one sense, a sense that leaves him entirely responsible yes. for his intellectual rebellion, but does not know God in another sense, a sense that would bring him to salvation. Mm. Yep. End quote. That's and a that, good quote. Yeah. That perfectly sums up what I'm trying to say here in that in that uh, heading. Yeah. But, he then gives, as a scriptural reference, Psalm 97, 6, which says, The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people have seen his glory. Yes. All the people have seen have seen his glory. Mm. They all have. Yep. Um, yep. That, that harkens back to the truth of God has been made plain to them so that yeah. they are left without excuse, right? Exactly. They have, exactly. I think that's Romans chapter one. They have no excuse to mm -hmm. say that they don't know mm -hmm. God. Yep. Yeah. And I move on to another one found on page 41, which says, sin or no sin, special revelation or no special revelation, all men inescapably know they are God. Yes. And yep. that, 
again, we're, we're saying the same thing, but I think it's, it's hard as us as Christians, we, we don't understand this. And I, I want to go through one last quote, and I, I have a deeper explanation and really like a, almost an alienating some of our audience, but so be, be warned. <laughs> but the, the uh, quote says, Scripture asserts that men inescapably know God in their heart of hearts, while in their outward thinking and response, they do not acknowledge it and thus do not know God in the genuine or proper sense. Mm. The, but the apologist is under obligation, obligation to keep both of these facts in mind when he defends the faith. Mm. Right? We are to know that the that this that the sinner, that the um, unbeliever knows God. Yes. Right? But they don't, but they don't live that out. Yes. And I, I, we come to the bigger problem, right? In today, we're, in our, in our today's society, not only do unbelievers believe they have a sta- footing to stand on, but even Christians believe the unbeliever has a footing to stand on. Mm. Yep. We think that if they if they argue from science, <laughs> we have to go to science yes. to defend. Yes. To to back that. Yep. But we're giving up on scripture. Yep. We're thinking that that the thin ice or the no ice at all that they're standing <laughs> on yeah. has ground. Some merits has merit. Yep. So we, instead of staying on the dock, right, and talking to them as they're in the water, as they're in the frozen, <laughs> freezing water, we jump in the water with them. Yes. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah. That, I, and I, I say it's alienating, but it's just revealing something that I think we, we should know. Yeah. But most Christians don't quite understand it. Yep. But yep. I, I yep. just wanted to bring this up again. That well, and I think part of that is it's a, it's a cultural thing. I mean, culturally, mm-hmm. yeah, we are in a culture that loves science. Like, science is their mm-hmm. small g God, right? They have replaced the true and living God with themselves, really, because ultimately science is you putting all your trust in yourself. Um, so... And that is a cultural thing that we have to live in. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes we can fall prey to that and we don't even realize it, especially if you were brought up in the government school. Um, it's something that's just innate, unfortunately, in many Christians, just like it's innate to have a pessimistic view of the future. A lot of Christians yeah. have that, unfortunately. Instead of realizing that we have victory and will have victory here on earth, we see p- pessimism as well as we see that we have to go to science for the answers to everything. So, yeah, so many of these things are, are just innate, and I, I can't help but um, uh, question how much of it comes from the culture that we live in today. And 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 really, obviously, that's coming yeah. from our sin nature is to do that because mm-hmm. we want to be the standard. But it's encouraged, and it's certainly not uh, um, uh, put down by our current culture. So, yeah, well, great. Um 
Very cool. Thank you, Jacob, for bringing that up. I wish we had more time to talk about some of that because there's just so much there. And I don't unfortunately have time to get into what I wanted to, but I will leave you with uh, um, leave you all with a quote that says the apologist knows that if the unbeliever is to have genuine truth, he must begin with the words of Christ and only these words, not those of autonomous argumentation. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, so that the man listening can actually hear the word of God. The, uh, only these words, which are empowered by, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will bring the unbeliever to God. And then he continues and says, This does not mean that his only argumentative approach is to quote memory verses or repeat the way of salvation, but that his reasoned defense must not appeal to the unbeliever outside of the presupposed truth and direction of Christ's word. End quote. So that was all from page 37. Mm. Lots here, lots to think about and consider. If you have questions about anything we just discussed, let us know. Or if you disagree, we'd love to hear from you as well. Um, Oftentimes we produce episodes based on some disagreements we've had and uh, um, debates that we've had and discussions. And uh, we do enjoy putting together content for those sorts of things and studying those topics even further. So any questions or um, uh, things that you disagree with us on, we'd really love to hear from you. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com or go to our website, trdshow.net. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and send us a message that way. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook, Gab, Getter, Instagram, all sorts of places. Look for The Reformed Dissenters wherever you are. Follow our podcast, like this video, subscribe to our content. And um, thank you so, so much for watching us. And uh, we'll see you on Friday. Don't forget to check out our discussion topic on Friday. We're talking about discerning good churches from bad churches. Very exciting topic. And remember everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord, 